What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Hey, Kevin. Yes, Rebecca. We're going to get real right now. Make it 100. Make it 100? Keep it 100. <laughs> You're so white. We're going to keep it 100 right now. Maybe we should cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> this is the real deal. So you know how sometimes at the beginning of podcasts you hear a survey that some they, we ask our mm-hmm. listeners to do? And we've done this before. Right. But I'm going to keep it real. The reason why the survey is important is that it lets our advertisers know that our listeners will like really bring it when we have an ad. It's not just like the number of listeners you have. It's how engaged they are with your show. Right. So we need to be able to demonstrate who our audience is and the kind of things that they're into. And so that's how they're able to match up great advertisers with us. And we can make great segues and make you laugh. And also the percentage of you that actually do the survey. Yeah. (laughs) Frankly, that's important. So we love having advertisers support our show. Obviously, it's what keeps us going. So in order to continue getting those advertisers, we do need your help. So please go to podsurvey.com slash crime and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little bit better. And that way, we can demonstrate to our advertisers just how great our listeners are. And even if you've done it before for our podcast or for another podcast, could you do it again for us? It's really important. And if you do, you could win a $100 gift certificate to Amazon. A gift card to Amazon. F*** me. Okay. (laughs) It's like 1985 where you live. Yeah, so go to podsurvey.com slash Crime. Crime. And please, please take our advertiser survey right now. That's P O D S U R V E Y <laughs> dot com slash crime. And once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card certificate. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash crime. Thanks so much for your help. We really, really appreciate it. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about other podcasts and also about journalism, pop culture, true crime. And this week, a new podcast that's got all kinds of people talking. We will weigh in with our review of Missing Richard Simmons. See what I did there? So joining me right now is the host of These Are Their Stories, the Law and Order podcast, my true crime co-author and real life husband and favorite, favorite weight loss coach, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hey, hot stuff. (laughs) 
<laughs> also joining us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed PI, full-time cat lady, and part-time wine reviewer, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello. This week, I am a chocolate reviewer. <laughs> I know. Out. It's very I'm exciting for all I'm going to hook you guys up. Yes, yes. Lynn Chocolates, a New Hampshire company, recently invited you to be, what, like a taste tester or something? Yeah, yeah. I was on like a, a tasting panel to help determine the next lint ball flavor. And I thought it should be salt and vinegar. <laughs> yeah, no. And uh, I can't reveal. I had to do like a non-disclosure agreement. I can't reveal what I tasted. I can tell you I had to cleanse my palate with a saltine. Oh, wow. Huh, very mm. interesting. <laughs> you know they Serious make 12 stuff. million of those lint ball chocolates there? Like every day? Every day. My son played basketball with the guy who's like the CEO of Lint America. Occasionally they would just show up with like a trash bag full of lint balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that uh, we've had on the board of directors of where I work, uh, there's a fella who's from Lint and yeah, it's like they come in. And just pass out these fine chocolates. It's funny. I think in other parts of the country, Lindt chocolates are fancy. It's not candy, by the way. Fancy. It's fine chocolate. Right. But in other parts of the country, Lindt chocolates are fancy. Where we live, they're everywhere. <laughs> you go to your doctor's office, they're like on the waiting room table. I, they're everywhere. They're like squirrels. <laughs> I kind of get burned out on them, actually. Yeah. So if you want to, if you love Lindt, come to New Hampshire because they are everywhere. And finally, rounding out the panel is the very talented noir novelist and always game realist, Toby Ball. Good evening, Toby. The Heisen Z, Rebecca. Ooh. <laughs> that sounded very... This Ducronk. That sounded very Germanic. Yeah. It's, it's like, how are you doing, Rebecca? Are you sick? Oh, no. Are you sick? <laughs> <laughs> That's my conversational gambit in German. That's very, very nice. I have two children who both take German. One of them is pretty conversational, and... um. This do cronk, I can tell you honestly, has never come up in our house. And I think they're too busy saying the swear words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, Toby, um, earlier today, I did send you a special list, as we are wont to do once in a while, of some of the Amazon items that our listeners purchased using the link on our website, crimewriterson.com. Have you had a chance to look at that list and perhaps curate a few of those items for our joint perusal? Uh, yes, I did. All right. So why don't you tell us what a couple of those items are, and uh, uh, I will uh, start the, the sexy music. Press the button. There we go. All right. So I'm breaking a few of my self-imposed rules tonight. The first one is not reading out names of things that were clearly named just so they could be on this uh, <laughs> Amazon reading list. But I did run across Nose Frida, the Snot Sucker Nasal Aspirator. Oh, right. Nice. nice. That's a baby product. Uh, you hope it's a baby yes. product. Yeah. Another thing I, I don't do very often is use books, but uh, this one caught my eye. It's Go Fuck Yourself, I'm Coloring. <laughs> swear word coloring book. That's amazing. Cat's Incredible Lavender Super Kitty Cataclysmic Clumping Litter. Oh. There's, there's a lot of K's in there. It sounds dramatic as fuck, or racist as fuck. It's kind of hard to tell. Well, yeah. <laughs> Fat Plants, San Diego, 10 Gorgeous Succulent Cuttings. <laughs> I did right, not now know. You, now you're just faking no, it. No, that actually seems feel like better. it might be illegal to like send it's across okay, state Toby. lines, like pieces of plants. It is. My little Nan got in trouble because she tried to sneak uh, ivy on a plane when she was moving up here. And who is ivy? <laughs> like plants from her garden. She she dug up some ivy from her garden and tried to bring it in the plant, like the plane to bring to my house. And she got, like, taken aside and talked to. You know why? Ivy carries mites, Laura. Yeah. I don't know much about plants, but I know that one thing. She got through, so I have it in my garden now. Okay. Pack of two 
Ozdenta Wizard Custom Fit Night Mouth Guard for Teeth Grinding Bruxism, whatever that is, Clenching Grind Dental Bite Splint. Mm. Wow. Part of what I found interesting about this is, you know how much it costs? How much? $10.71. You know how much my dentist wants to charge me for a mouth guard to keep me from grinding my teeth? How much? Well, I think with my insurance, it's like $280. Really? Wow. Just yeah. get it on Amazon. Apparently so. But make sure right, you use the link bucks. at crimewriterson.com. <laughs> and then we can get like eight cents of that back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That'd be nice. Um, this is the last one. This is clothing and apparel. Oh Winchester mustache. Medium brown. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a porn star mustache? Toby. No, it's I a Winchester mustache. There's something we need to know. There's no, there's no pictures. I literally just sent him like a spreadsheet. He doesn't know what any of these things are. Yeah. There are no links. Squirrel fur. It's not even a real spreadsheet. It's like a CSV, which is like impossible to save over itself. It's a very complicated procedure. So, you know, last week we debuted that new segment, Hate Mail. Yeah. And I just want to say, you know, I didn't, it was not a fishing for compliments situation, but we did get probably, I don't know, several dozen love emails. Mm-hmm. So I just want to debut this one quick thing. Can you just say this real quick? Yeah, sure. Ready? Say it like Barry White. Love mail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's M-A-I-L, by the way, Yes, ladies. yes. There's nice. just a one quick one that I want to read. Um, it's in response, and we got a several that were actually in response to the comment I made about Laura Bricker never having received any hate mail. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so I just want to read this one. This is from an anonymous emailer who says, even though her name is in her email address, she would prefer to remain anonymous. <laughs> and this is what she has to say. I love your podcast. I listen to it every day during my hour-long commute, and I spend the drive home in deep reflection. I do this Monday through Friday for a total of five listens and five periods of reflection per episode. <laughs> On the weekends, I take a break, eating jelly beans in bed and crying. What? I spent the past few days thinking of hate mail to send re Laura Bricker. I've decided that my primary grievance is that she has not chosen my cat as cat of the week. Mm. I do not have a Twitter account because I don't have time for shenanigans. However, my cat is so qualified for cat of the week that I would have expected Laura to contact me about this by now, (laughs) either via postal mail or LinkedIn. (laughs) Leopold may not technically be a cat. But he does all of the things that normal cats do, like staring off into space and eating the buttons off of television remotes. I have attached some pictures of him doing the following activities. One, (laughs) eating salad. Two, pretending to be a pumpkin. And three, visiting Santa. Sounds like her husband. Yeah, I was about to say, this must be her husband. Mm, Not quite. Not quite. Sadly, I must inform you that if my cat is not selected as Cat of the Week, I will be forced to cover my ears and yell loudly every time Laura Bricker speaks. Since I do not want to accidentally cover my ears and yell loudly when Toby is speaking, I will have my intern listen to the podcast first and make sure I know exactly when to start and stop. (laughs) So, Laura, we spent some time looking at this email and trying to decide what the fuck kind of animal Leopold was. And what do we what do we land on again? Well, so it looks initially like a rabbit. I think but it's then a, yeah. in the pumpkin photo, it might be a chinchilla. I'm actually but pretty I, sure it's a chinchilla. Yeah, I'm going to go with chinchilla <laughs> because that sounds, I can't say chinchilla because that sounds a little bit more interesting to me. Can you put it up on um, Twitter for us? You know what? She said anonymous email, oh. but like we could certainly tweet out the photo. Yeah, so, yeah. Leopold won't photos, know. Yeah. Leop- yeah. <laughs> Leopold the chinchilla. Leopold has no expectation of privacy. And then, then she can spend no. all those times driving home reflecting, thinking about how we screwed her over by putting her <laughs> chinchilla slash rabbit on Twitter. 
she listens to us five times, but she doesn't have time for shenanigans. No shenanigans. No shenanigans. And I'm not, I'm not sure she actually listens to us five and times. She may have made a <laughs> remark that I was like, whoa, about Toby, but we're not going to repeat it. <laughs> whoa, Toby, watch out. That's all I have to say. The chinchilla could be coming for you. That's right. Well, I, Laura, I think that um, you've received plenty of love email this week, as have we. And thus concludes this weekly edition of Love Mail. <laughs> It's not going to be weekly, guys. Don't worry about it too much. (laughs) But thank you to all of our listeners for sending the love mails. We do appreciate it. So now it's time for a part of our podcast. It is a quasi-regular segment. Kevin, do you want to put on your broadcaster Mm -hmm. voice and read this? True Crime Podcast Update. Wow, sexy, Kevin. Yeah. So um, we have a surprise last-minute uh, texted to me like an hour ago, true crime podcast update to talk about. And Laura, since you were the one who texted me this news, do you want to be the one to summarize it for us? Sure. So, and I think it's kind of funny how I found out about this. So I was sitting at home this afternoon, taking a little break. My minister, Emily, texted me, <laughs> hey, have you heard there was an update and up and vanished? And I'm like, Really? Something about the cowboy cookies poisoning somebody? But no. (laughs) Alas, there's like a real update. And I'm like, whoa. So there was an arrest this afternoon in the case of Tara Grinstead. Now, this is the case that we talked about. Um, Payne Lindsay is the man who's doing the podcast. And he has done two quick updates on the podcast if people want something more in-depth. So Tara Grinstead, she was the Georgia teacher and former beauty queen that disappeared after going to the cookout. And nobody ever saw her again. So today, the Georgia authorities announced an arrest in the case. 33-year-old Ryan Alexander Duke was charged in the 2005 killing. I was already appeared in court. He was charged with burglary, aggravated assault, murder, and concealing a death. And so for those who don't remember, just a quick recap. Tara disappeared from her Osceola, Georgia home, October 2005. She had spent the day helping with the Miss Sweet Potato pageant. Then gone to a cookout with friends, and that was where she was last seen. Here's some new details that are up my alley. Her cell phone was charging in her bedroom. Her purse and keys were missing, and her cat, Herman Talmadge, Hmm. and her dog, Dolly Madison, were in the house. I didn't know about the cat before. Neither did I. I never heard that before. Yeah, Herman Talmadge. So, you know, we had listened to this podcast. We've talked about this podcast. There was all sorts of people that they talked to over the years, investigators. Um, They talked to a former student who was arrested at one point trying to break in her house. But ironically, this guy, Ryan Duke, is nobody that they have ever heard of before. But he was also a former student at the school where he used to teach, right? Yeah. So he was a former student. So this week, somebody uh, walked into the Georgia Bureau of Investigation with information. They ended up doing some follow-up interviews. And based on that, we're able to make this arrest. The quote from the police was, I can say that this gentleman never came up on our radar through the investigation. Wow. Um, Yeah. So in court, they said that he removed her body from the home. They haven't said where her body is or, you know, if he's going to help lead them to the body. But he did attend the high school where she worked and he graduated three years before she disappeared. So also, according to Reddit and Rebecca Lavoie, (laughs) this could be... The former student that Tara allegedly visited that night, the night that she disappeared, according to the friend of Payne's grandmother, Melba. Melba, that's right. That was was her name. I thought it was Mm -hmm. Peaches. I was going to say, is her name Peaches, that woman? No. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that was mentioned um, early in the podcast. Payne assumed that Melba was not remembering this correctly, and it was not mentioned again, but... Um, Now some questions have arose as to whether or not this was actually the person that Melba was referring to. All right. So um, I have one question for you guys about this incredible true crime podcast update. Yeah. 
Kevin, of all of the true crime podcasts that we have listened to and reviewed on this program of ours, would you have imagined that Up and Vanished would be the one that could have a resolution to the case? Probably not. <laughs> I, had, I think if I had to, pro- I, I, I may be forgetting one of them, but if I had to make a list of the least likely to be a, accredited with a successful investigation, it probably would be Up and Vanished. Or even aligned with a successful investigation. Yeah. At the moment we are recording this, we really do not know what the nexus between the podcast and the arrest there is. Might, there might be no connection. We don't know. Yeah, it might be no connection. It could just sort of be tangentially that somebody knew that there was a podcast. It could also the be case that- case was in the media again. The case was in the media again, and it got somebody or somebody else thinking. It's it's hard to say right at the moment. But yeah, this was not the one that I thought, starting off with asking grandma what she knew was <laughs> not really a hopeful first step in an investigation. What do you think, Toby? Was this the podcast you expected would um, somehow lead to a an arrest and a potential conclusion in a years-old cold case? Uh, I would say it was the second least likely. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would also say that it's funny that Kevin says, starting out with the grandma, when in fact... Maybe you should have listened to her a little bit more, and it would have been solved a while ago. Mm. I actually think the grandma was the best part of that podcast that I listened. We listened to. I loved the grandma tape, and I wanted more of grandma. Remember, I think I told Payne that grandma yeah. was his secret weapon. <laughs> she made cookies. My, my right? minister wanted more of grandma too. The cowboy cookies. She said that she misses those because she grew up down there, and they're like oatmeal cookies with chocolate chips. Well, I will say that an investigation podcast that started with someone saying. Hey, I feel like starting an investigation podcast, <laughs> even though I have no experience as an investigator or a podcaster. I'm surprised as well. I'm happy for Payne that he's able to have something to talk about. I think that's exciting. And I'm you know, glad for, obviously, the family of Tara Grinstead, if this is, in fact, a conclusion to the case. And I really hope that it is. But um, we'll have to follow it and see what happens. But I would say, for me, it is... Probably the second least likely to. Uh, Toby, I'm curious, what's your first least likely podcast you thought would end up in? <laughs> I prefer not to state. <laughs> I'm going to do the same. Let, let the record show that the witness was non-responsive. I love Canada. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> prime minister, so I'm not saying anything. I want to go canoeing with that prime minister. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. You mean that prime minister who like carried uh, somebody in a wheelchair down an escalator flight of stairs this week? Did you see those photos? No. Yes. Yeah, I saw Damn that. that guy. I saw him canoeing. And, that you know, fucking I guy, mean, man. And he does yoga. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm moving to Canada. He does martial arts. He yeah. does everything. You see him planking yeah. on the table? Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I bet he listens mm-hmm. to uh, Someone Knows Something and loves it. That's, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but I'm not saying that. Someone Knows Something is not my... Oh, wait, that's, not, that's not your least one for the record? Yeah, for the I like that one. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. Which one? Okay. <laughs> Onward and upward. All right. Well, um, I want to move on to our conversation that is our like marquee event tonight about the smash hit, by the way, podcast, Missing Richard Simmons. And I just want to like play back what I said last week about Missing Richard Simmons. I believe I said something about how successful I thought it was going to be. It's a brand new show. It just dropped. I think it's going to be really popular. So I think we're getting in early on the uh, bandwagon. It's called Missing Richard Simmons. Like sweating to the oldies Richard Simmons? Like that Richard Simmons. So we actually were on the bandwagon early. Missing Richard Simmons, as the time of this recording, is the number one podcast on iTunes. A lot of people love it. I'm guessing millions of people are listening to it. And I can't wait to talk about it. But before we do that... Why don't we just listen for about 10 minutes to my conversation with someone who knows a little bit more about the podcast than we do. 
My name is Dan Tabersky, and I am uh, the creator and host and co-producer of Missing Richard Simmons. Don't you mean the uh, number one on iTunes podcast, Missing Richard Simmons? Look, yeah, I was just having a conversation about this. Like, <laughs> these things go up and down, and so I'm I'm not invested in that. Let me just say that it's freaking awesome that it's number one. I'm super excited. What do you think that says about? Richard Simmons, is it about the story you're telling? Is it about the fact that people don't know Richard Simmons really well and they're interested? Or is it about the fact that he is everything you portray him to be and important to a lot of people? I think that maybe it's the kind of thing where you say Richard Simmons and people have a very clear image in their mind. And I think it's a fact that we're trying to recontextualize him a little bit that I think is interesting and exciting. And people maybe had an inkling of it, like maybe there's more to this guy than just what I see on Letterman. So I, I think it sort of touches at something about about a guy that people really feel for. One of my favorite things you do in the podcast is in the first episode, you really do a great job breaking down not just his cultural importance, but sort of how he built his empire. And you sort of are, you're very specific about he had this product and he did this project. And by the way, he was also on General Hospital. And then he had, you know, these 60 best-selling videotapes. But you also talk about knowing him, you know, going to his house for dinner with your husband and, you know, getting to know him, going to his exercise classes. Was the person you knew, does it jive with this like huge emperor of this vast fitness fortune? No. And yes, and that's what's great about it, that he's a complicated human being who is more than one dimension. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people, that they just become sort of flattened in people's minds and their personality just becomes one note. When in fact, they're complicated human beings like everybody else. The amazing thing about Richard Simmons, though, and what we can explore is that it's not like he was complicated just like public life versus private life. His public life was really complicated. The fact that he's famous, but his brand of famousness is on the one part built on being a business genius. And on the other hand, it's built on the complete opposite. It's built on total empathy, total superhuman kindness that he just exudes and showed people for decades. And so after Missing Richard Simmons is over, I think people will get a sense of just how complicated this guy is. You know, he's just as complicated through this podcast as he is over dinner. Now, I always felt that Richard Simmons was complicated. I'm a big Howard Stern fan. And um, I heard him on that show, you know, a bunch of times. And I think the most memorable appearance is the one where Richard breaks down and starts to cry and tries to leave. Yeah. And Howard Howard Stern gets out from behind his board and chases him and pulls him back. And if you know Howard Stern at all, he does not get up and chase people down the hallway. <laughs> what made that incident happen, the breakdown happen, was Howard Stern, I think, referred to Richard as womanly. Mm-hmm. There's something about him and there's something about that particular interview It kind of makes you realize that in 2017, there's something like a little bit anachronistic about Richard Simmons, you know, very public persona. He was he he was very sexual, but he never discussed his sexuality. Very, very uncomfortable getting personal. It would always be turned around and be about the other person he was talking to. Yeah. Do you think that that the shift in where our culture has gone is difficult for someone like Richard who lived so publicly with this persona built around him? It's 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 one of two things. Either he was old school and the world moved on and now he's an old school person trying to figure out how to live in a new school world and, and sort of reveal more of yourself like they do now. Or he was way ahead of the curve 
And he was the one who was saying in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, like, you don't define me. I define me. And you think you know me by looking at me and the way I act, but you don't. I, I go both ways. I mean, I think part of it is probably, I don't know if it's fear or just sort of falling in line with what the culture dictates is okay, is okay for someone like you. And then sometimes I just think like, what a badass to be living in a culture that back then that, that defined you down a little bit, that wasn't super okay with you. And to go out there and be like 10 times that, like to be so outrageous and so gender bending. I mean, he was dressing like a woman all the time up until the minute, up until he disappeared, he would go to class in full on drag. It's just that nobody was paying attention. So he might not be talking about it, but he walks the walk. He doesn't talk to talk, but he walks it. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was that we hear it over and over again in the podcast, the psychology of the affirmation that he seems to really crave. I almost see it as like, it's almost like an addiction where he couldn't not just interact with people, but at the same time, keep them at an arm's length all the time. I mean, these weren't the woman he called in Nebraska, for instance, weekly that you yeah. talked to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like wonderful, wonderful tape, by the way. The tape in this whole podcast is just astonishingly good. Oh, thank you. Great. That's great to hear. Thanks. You have a lot of access. You, you have a tremendous number of sources, both people close to and sort of in the different layers of concentric circles. How did you get all this access to all these different people? I was pursuing Richard Simmons to do a documentary before he disappeared. And so I was taking the class, not as somebody who particularly needed to take the class. Um, I, I wasn't trying to lose weight, although I will take 10 pounds off if you were to offer it to me. Um, <laughs> but I was interested in him way before he disappeared. I, was, I wanted to do a rock doc about him, but I wanted to do, instead of going to a concert, I wanted to do his class because it's so fascinating and really tells his story. And then he disappeared and I was just at this place where I couldn't let it go. And so I couldn't let it go and I was interested in this story and I happened to know these people. And and these people who love Richard, they're really, really protective of him. Even the ones who feel super slighted and who feel like he really wronged them by disappearing the way he did. And there are people like that. Um, So it took a long time. I had a lot of cups of coffee with people before I could convince them to participate. And then once you start, once, once people start doing it, then they start telling each other. It was work. I mean, I've been working on this for a long, long time. And I think that's the key is just like, you got to be really into it. And I'm super into it. <laughs> Perhaps a little too deep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think too deep at all. I mean, not for me anyway. I mean, we'll see what that my other panelists have to say about the podcast. I have one person. I'm going to ask you his question on his behalf in a minute. But um, Oh, no. Do you have a dissenter? Do you have a dissenter? We have a continual dissenter. We have a, we call him the perpetual wet blanket. But his question, which I I promise I'll get to in a second, but I just want to finish what I was asking about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sort of need for affirmation, the need to be with people, the constant contact with people of all. Wait, why why are you saying the need for affirmation, that he needs affirmation? Well, that's what I want to ask you. Is that, is that what it felt like and looked like to you? Or is it something else? I think that Richard needed people as much as they needed him. And sometimes maybe even more so. I think he was fed off of these relationships. And I, I don't think he would deny that. I think even just like his class, the Slimmons that he was teaching there for 40 years, he charged 12 bucks a class. He wasn't making money off that studio. There's no way. It's in the middle of Beverly Hills and there's like a couple classes a week and people are paying 12 bucks a class. He was not making money. That class was a gathering of his friends. It's almost like that you have like a play date with your friends three times a week and he knew that was going to happen. He was getting as much of that energy as the people in that class were getting from him, for sure. 
Right. So on my show, we have a panel of four people and we have one. I don't want to call him a perpetual naysayer, but his nicknames also include Negative Nelly. He sounds amazing. <laughs> he's, he's amazing. Single? <laughs> he's not single. No, he's amazing, though. He's probably the smartest of the four of us, frankly. But he he actually was sending me his notes about your show. And one of the things he his question is, is sort of the the right to find somebody who doesn't want to be found or, or to explore a story of someone who said, you know, leave me alone. I think between you and me that you make a good case for you being the right person to do it and the reasons why. But how would you answer that question if Toby were here and asked that to you himself? I think people do have a right to be left alone. I think it needs to be asked, though, and I do ask this in the podcast, that if somebody is your friend, at what point do you not take no for an answer? People say no, but maybe that's not the best thing for them right now. And I'm not ma- nobody's making any medical decisions or any decisions for Richard Simmons, but I do think it's important to push people beyond what they say verbally. Just because they say it doesn't necessarily mean it's absolutely true. And I think it's also important to remember that I, you know, I'm not I'm not looking for my favorite celebrity. To be totally honest, like Richard's I'm not Richard's demo. Like right. I don't follow him to actually hear what he has to say. I, I think he's interesting because I think he's a fascinating cultural figure. And I, I think he's a really a really important, complicated person. And then we became friendly because of that, because of the project we were working together. I don't care about his fame or celebrity. So it's not this is not like people feeling like they have ownership of a celebrity that they really don't have ownership about. This is uh, you know, knowing somebody even a little bit and feeling like what they're saying doesn't square with the past 40 years of his life and what he was saying then and it doesn't square with what anybody knows about his personality. Something doesn't fit. Something doesn't feel right. People are worried. People are worried. If George Clooney had just had said, look, I'm taking some time off and just leave me alone, nobody would say, what's wrong with George Clooney? But that's not what's happening here. Nobody would be worried about George Clooney, but people are worried about Richard Simmons, and rightfully so. And unfortunately, his team just hasn't done anything to acknowledge that. Now, you in the first episode, talk a little bit about his inner circle and I detected a tone in your um, voicing of the narrative when you mentioned Teresa's name the first time, Teresa Rivellis, mm-hmm. Richard Simmons' longtime housekeeper. And, you know, I've read all of the theories about, you know, Richard Simmons and the, the black magic theory and the, the knee theory and the dog theory and the transitioning theory and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But there is also this thing that's been floating out there with this, you know, Teresa Rivellis sort of being his maybe running things on his behalf or maybe just doing, you know, what he's asking her to do. I don't know. But how'd you feel about her before? <laughs> I'm just curious. Um, you know, I don't want to give away too much of what we actually, we pursue this doggedly in the podcast and we definitely get there, get to some, you know, answers and more information and all that stuff. I will say that, that the Teresa Revelis I knew before Richard disappeared I liked her. Mm-hmm. She's tough. Yeah. Like you like her. You like her kind of like probably you like the, the grumpy guy in your panel um, <laughs> that, you know, she she tells it like it is. She's kind of super unimpressed with you and she's got a job to do and she's going to do it. Yeah. And so that was the vibe I got from her. It's certainly an unusual relationship. But I mean, what about Richard Simmons or you know what? What about most of us isn't like a little unusual? Absolutely. Is this planned to be sort of a limited run, a single yes. season series? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going, we're looking for six episodes. Are there things that you have in the can or are working on that you just can't wait for the audience to hear? 
like oh shit moments? Um, <laughs> um, you don't have to tell me what they are. I just yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Um, and a lot of them are only oh shit moments because you've been following the story with me, and because I've sort of explained all the contacts, and now you sort of you're you're in deep with me. Yeah, there are some oh shit moments for sure. <laughs> if uh, Richard called you and asked you to not release any more of the podcast, would you do it? It depends. I told his representatives way before I started this, and I knew his man. I've known his manager for a couple of years now, and he's a nice guy, although I don't necessarily agree with how they're approaching all this. And I said, look, you need to tell me if something really bad is happening to Richard and that you need to tell me if I need to drop this. Like if he's, you know, if he's like terminally ill and he's going to die in three months and all he wants to do is sit in his garden. Of course, I would not do that. Of course, I would stop. And they have maintained that, nope, he's fine. There's nothing like that. So, you know, I, I've definitely opened the doors and have made it very clear that I, I want to do nothing to harm Richard. I don't want him to feel bad or, or anything like that. But on the flip side, they've done nothing to – his representation hasn't done anything to make sense of it for people. And it wouldn't even be that hard to make sense of it for people. That's the problem. Well, I just want to tell you, I'm going to tip my hand. We review podcasts on my show, and I love yours. I loved ah. it from the first five minutes of listening. I think Thank it's you. just beautifully done. It's as close to perfect, I think, as an audio project can be. Oh, get out of here. I just think it is It's, it's extraordinarily, extraordinarily good. And I'm really hoping that you turn into a bit of a Nancy Drew and pursue some other stories in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I'm a Nancy Drew and not a Hardy Boy, which I will totally take. <laughs> That's hilarious. I would love to, man. I these things I would this is this is I've been working on this since 2012 is when I first met Richard and so I've been thinking about him for that long. If you do think it's good, hopefully part of what makes it good is how invested I am in it. So these these things take a long time, but I would love to find another one. I can't thank you enough for uh, joining me and telling me about you know what you have in mind and what you're doing. I love the show. I can't wait to hear uh, the episodes that are coming. And um, man, I hope you find out what happened to Richard. I really do. Thank you. I do too. It's, that's for me, that is the, the ultimate goal. It's just, just a conversation. So Toby Ball, for the record, are you single? Dan wants to know. <laughs> uh, no, I'm happily married. Remember, Dan is not sorry, single. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> uh, Dan so, does seem like a super nice guy, though. <laughs> Dan was pretty rad, actually. So, Kevin, what do you think of my conversation with Dan? I think it's great. And I do think it's a very interesting topic. And like he said, no one cares whether George Clooney just takes off. I don't know about that. I kind of care about uh, that. You would kind of care about that, <laughs> yeah. I just think, you know, if Richard Simmons did want to get away, instead of being holed up in his house, he could just get a nice vacation home by going to Tripping.com. <gasps> oh, what a good segue, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, get that much-needed vacation, and why spend it cramped up in a hotel when you can get a great vacation rental mm -hmm. just about anywhere in the world? Tripping.com has over 10 million properties you can check, pulling from sites like VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and others. And if you haven't done this before, right, you think you're going to go someplace and, you know, why would you want to stay in a one-room Somebody Who's pour, drinking that? Somebody, it's Toby. He's the loudest drink I've ever heard. You got a cocktail uh, mixer uh, going in there? I'm pretending I'm in Costa Rica at one of these vacation places. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. So why stay in a tiny one-room enclosed space with two double beds, and if you're lucky, a desk? It's worse than a tiny house. 
It's worse than a tiny house. <laughs> it's downright primitive. But you could get a very nice tiny house, medium-sized house, large-sized house, whatever fits your budget by going to tripping.com. Vacation rentals is the way to go. We do it all the time. So you can relax knowing that you're getting the best price for that rental. Because, in fact, you'll save an average of 18% per night when you book with tripping.com. I went on. I looked at, I won't lie, I looked at apartments and beach houses and uh, big homes all over the world. I checked, for you and your mistress or for you and me? I was checking out uh, <laughs> Montreal and London and the Outer Banks. And it is a great way. Winter vacation with the kids and, and spring vacation with the kids and summer break. When you're planning your vacation, why don't you swing by tripping.com slash writers and start and finish your search for that perfect vacation rental. That's tripping.com slash writers. Tripping.com slash writers. Writers. Do it. You don't have so many tabs open on your computer. You can just have one tab open. Yeah, I think that's what Richard Simmons should do. It is. You know what else he should do? What? He should get a wireless plan from Total Wireless. Ooh, Total Wireless. You're a mom, right? I am. Well, moms wear lots of hats. We they're, do. they're decision makers, they're financiers, they're managers, they're multitaskers, extraordinaires. Zookeepers. Okay, if you say so. Well, these days, phones function as more than just phones. They're our means of staying connected to our family, friends, co-workers, and they're an important part of our daily lives. Shopping so th- for couches. That's, well, okay, there. So that's why you need a provider who can keep up with you. You need Total Wireless. With nationwide coverage on America's largest and most dependable networks, it's truly a lifeline. Plus, it's affordable. Unlimited talk and text with 5 gigabytes of 4G LTE plus data. That starts at just 35 bucks a month. Ooh, cheap. And family plans start at $25 per line for unlimited talk and text. And you can even add 3 gigabytes of shared carryover data that doesn't expire for just $10. Hmm. Now, there are tons of smartphones to choose from, or if you're like me and already have a phone that you're happy with, you keep it, keep your own number, and get a no-worry 30-day plan. It's really that simple. Learn more about the great plans and phone selections at TotalWireless.com. That's TotalWireless.com. Dot com. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. That was very smooth, very professionally delivered, that ad break. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate the hard work that you do in reading those ads. I appreciate it. Can we talk about Richard Simmons? Please, this can is a we? Great, this is a great podcast, I think. <laughs> I feel like I kind of made you guys listen to because I loved it, but then um, allow millions of people also listening to it, so my, I don't feel so alone. Well, let me just start with the first thing is that I think the name and the concept is intriguing All right. in both a kitschy way right. and also a real life sort of... What's up with that way? Exactly. Well, let me just go back a little bit and just read the intro I was going to read, okay? No, why do that? Missing Richard Simmons. We're already in it. We're already in it. Right now, it is the top-rated podcast on iTunes. It is filmmaker Dan Taberski's journey as he tries to find out what happened to the fitness mogul and celebrity guru fun guy Richard Simmons, who for three years has been totally off the radar. His representatives say he's holed up in his Hollywood mansion and he's just fine, but many people who know him say they are worried something darker is behind his disappearance. So, Toby, you emailed me one question that you had, and you heard me field it to Dan about, does someone who has chosen to disappear have a, a right just to be gone and not have a podcast made about them? How do you feel about that right now as we sit here about to discuss this podcast? I think about the same. For a guy who has been so you know open to the public for years and years and years, for him just to disappear 
he probably has his reasons for it. And, you know, who knows what it is? It could be depression. It could be whatever. And I, and I really like the podcast. So, you know, this is a little nitpicky, I guess. But I didn't find his explanation of why he feels that it's okay to kind of pursue him. You know, the idea that there's a lot of people who who've come to depend on him and, and deserve to know what happened and that he owes them, you know, sort of an explanation for, for what he did or, or why he, why he left that a, I'm, I'm not sure he really does for a guy who's shown a lot of compassion for a lot of people who are in sort of difficult straits. Like it seems like they could reciprocate by showing some sort of compassion for him when he clearly wants to remove himself and then so, but even if you take the leap, you say, okay, like maybe he does owe those people. I, I don't see how making a podcast about searching for him is really in his best interest. I have a counter to your, um, your quandary there. And here's my okay. counter argument. Okay. The Richard Simmons story is out there in the media. He's been on the cover of the National Enquirer a bunch of times. It's mm-hmm. been on the Today Show. It's been on Entertainment Tonight. And it is always really, really salacious the way that I've, I've always seen it in the media his disappearance it's always like this very salacious is it black magic is it <laughs> seriously that's one of the theories is what? that is that Teresa has oh. put black magic on yeah. him okay. yeah, that's yeah. like that's one of the theories that's what former masseuse thinks yeah yeah and that you, or that he is now living as a woman or doesn't want anyone to know or that he's gained 200 pounds you see all of these headlines I almost feel like this podcast is like a counter narrative to some of that like salacious media stuff that somebody who you know, was going to do a project about him anyway, but that also have all these connections with people who are close to him and who care about him and who are protective of him, saw an opportunity to make something that is the same story, whereas Richard Simmons, but do it in a more compassionate, careful, thoughtful, and kind of joyful. I, I hate to say that. I feel like this podcast is very joyful, even though it's very sad at times way. I don't know. That's my counter. Laura, what do you think about, about this sort of ethical quandary around the podcast that, that Toby has been grappling with? No, I, I understand where Toby's coming from, but I guess where I, as I'm listening to this, I feel like we're sending Richard Simmons a secret message. We will help you get out, get away from Teresa. Like, I feel like, I mean, I guess I just, I feel like this poor guy, like, I feel so sad for him. And I'm like, see, I view it more as like, this is like the only way we can get a message to Richard Simmons. Right. So <laughs> I'm, not as, I'm not as distraught as Toby. I'm like, OK, come on, Richard. We're smoking you out. Come out. Come on. I don't have a problem with Dan pursuing this topic as a podcast. I mean, he's close to it. It isn't like he just plucked it out of a, a hat. He'd been, you know, working talking, on it. Yeah. He'd been talking about a documentary with Richard. And I, I don't know if it's ethics or, or not, but, you know, the crime writer in me, the nonfiction writer in me says that a lot of this is fair game. If you're a celebrity, you have thrust yourself into the public vortex. Yes. That is the term. Yes. As opposed to being a private citizen. Which is why so, the libel laws don't apply the way that they do with private right, citizens. Right, right. So I'm not saying, well, Richard Simmons has it coming. Right. Uh, but I do think he's an interesting subject for a lot of reasons. Now, Toby, I, I almost thought what Dan said near the end was a better answer to your question. When he said that he checked in with Richard's management to say, like, if there's a reason I shouldn't be doing this, tell me. And they said, no, he's fine. <laughs> Did that allay your concerns at all? I, I guess my feeling is he certainly comes across as, as genuinely caring about these people who are disturbed that, he, that he's gone. 
and he must know that that he's causing some trouble for them. So whatever reason he has for going into seclusion, in his mind, outweighs that. I have two that- words. Go ahead. Casey Kasem. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about our theories about that in a, in a few minutes? But Kevin, you were going to jump in. Oh, I, I was just going to say the way I interpret the message from Richard Simmons' management about like, you know, give, give me a reason, to, you know, f- wave me off if I shouldn't do this. And by them saying no, I think it, it you weigh it as that person may be just as frustrated with Richard as, as, as or, Dan is. I think by saying no, it wouldn't be negative. It could also be interpreted as, yeah, we also believe a little push could help. Right. I don't know. Well, we, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. So so for now, can we all agree to put the um, issue of whether or not it's okay to do this podcast aside and just talk about the podcast? Yeah. Are we all in agreement? Toby, can you, can you agree to do that? No, I, I think it's a, I think it's a great podcast, well, let, but that that's let, my issue with it. Okay. Well, let's talk about it. Now that we've to the issue aside, let's talk about the production. Um, Kevin, I made you listen to this with me. Even though I listened to the first episode, I made you listen to it again. Yep. Because I think the production on this podcast is almost perfect. What do you think? It's got a lot of sound. <laughs> I think for the amateur when they hear that, they're like, yeah, really? It's all sound. It's uh, a podcast. I meant, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of great tape, and he draws from a lot of stuff. He's a really good storyteller. The writing and, is so good. And I think he brings the better part of his documentarian skills to a podcast where other documentarians who have tried <laughs> podcasts have not. He knows what he doesn't need to show or what he doesn't need to tell. Yeah, but he, he sounds like a really good storyteller and he's got he's got good stuff and I and, and I think I think if you don't have that it's very hard to get a good podcast. And I think he's already he's already working with a rich body of material. What do you think of the production and of just the way this podcast sounds and feels and is written, Laura? I'd love I'd love to hear your take on that cuz the podcast makes me feel a certain way when I listen to it and I don't know if you feel the same way that I do, but do you have that same reaction? Yeah, I have to tell you that this is the first podcast in I don't know how long that like like you, I listened to it twice, the first episode. I made my husband listen to it. <laughs> I felt like the pacing was just such that I just I loved it. And I love all the clips that we have. Like, I think the one that just, I, I, it totally cracked me up was when he was like, you know, how do you like that tight little ass now, David Letterman? <laughs> you know, it just, I love the old clips because he is just such a character. He's so eccentric and just sort of out of the box. And, but that is what makes this so fascinating. You know, he's just not like anybody else out there. And, and this mystery about how he could just, you know, up and without any explanation, shut himself off is is really captivating to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, between that mystery combined with the way that we have all those sound clips and we have access to all these people who are equally fascinating characters surrounding him. I mean, I love the old lady. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. They used to drive to class. Yeah, it's just Jerry. I'm like, I want to go to Slimmons. <laughs> Who doesn't? You know, I just, I, I love everything about it. I want to be the manager at Slimmons. Sounds <laughs> like a pretty, pretty cool gig. Well, we so got one class a week. We got one Richard's class. out again. <laughs> now, now, Toby, I want to ask you just about the writing because I feel like when Serial is going on, we talk more about the writing of that show than we talk about any other show. I think the writing in podcasts can either be sloppy or it can be clean. And we've talked about it a little bit here and there. I feel like as far as first person narratives go, 
the writing in this is so strong. And I'll give you the example that comes to mind for me, which is that he talks in episode two about, you know, the guy who was also a Slimmons member who and he says, um, oh, he was a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race and he got kicked (laughs) off. And I don't remember why, but I just remember that it made me like him more. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. He like gave enough to tell you everything you needed to know. He didn't spend 20 minutes describing exactly. the posters like, on the wall is, at Slimmons. He gives you exactly... Tell yeah. me, what do you think of the writing? I mean, I, I would love to know what you think, because I, I really do think as far as writing is concerned, you're probably, no offense to the rest of us, uh, you're probably the biggest expert in that area uh, on this panel. Yeah, it's funny, because I don't think I really focused on that a whole lot other than it's an economy of words, not leaving you in any doubt about what he's talking about, I guess. So, yeah, things move along very quickly. You know, at, at times it seemed like a good, slightly edgy magazine writer, maybe, mm-hmm. where they give these like little like two-sentence sketches of different people who they're going to talk to. Uh, oh, like the g- twins? <laughs> yeah, like this who, who I who I kind of knew who they were anyway. But the, the way the whole thing was put together, I thought was... It made sense, at, while at the same time being kind of clever. It, it's extremely well done, I think. It's hard, it's hard to explain to people who aren't writers or who aren't interested in being writers how hard it is to do real character development in like two sentences. Yeah. So when I was in school and then when I was teaching a little bit, the thing that I always used to say is, there's a difference between saying someone has a tattoo and someone has a neck tattoo, right? You say someone has a tattoo that tells you almost nothing about them. You say someone has a neck tattoo, it tells you like a hell of a lot about them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Dan's, like you described it, economy of words. He will say 20 seconds of exposition and then introduce you to a character whose voice you then hear. And I think of someone like Jerry, who's, you know, who used to get rides to Slimmons with Richard, you know, the old dowager. I kind of think of her as like the old lady on Downton Abbey when I sort of imagine her in my head. And I, I think about, you know, the, the sisters. And I think there's a quick little interview with the couple, the two men who, who ended up in the front row of the Slimmons yeah, right. class. <laughs> we don't need to know who they are, where they live, what they do, what they look like. We learned everything we needed to know about them just by hearing them describe their journey from row three to row one. I don't know. I, I just find, to me, that is, yes, the story is compelling. I think the whole, he does a great job sort of making you care about Richard Simmons. But I don't know. To me, that's that does a lot of the heavy lifting in setting this podcast apart. Now, Kevin... Let's talk about Richard Simmons, the character, yeah. okay? Because obviously that is the central figure here, and we're listening to this ostensibly because we're, you know, Dan makes the case for why you should care about Richard as a cultural figure. But you know a little bit about Richard Simmons as a cultural figure because you've seen it firsthand. I've, I've had uh, professional interactions with Richard Simmons. All right, go ahead, tell us. Uh, when I was in radio, the radio station put on a big promotion. It was called the Women's Expo, and it was basically like a trade show kind of thing, but there was going to be, uh, we, we wanted to have like live entertainment Entertainment and, and a big draw, and there would be music and cooking demonstrations and things like this. Things Always, for the ladies. Things for the ladies. <laughs> and we needed, I think it was either the first or second one, we needed a big draw. And so through his management team, we contracted Richard Simmons to be the guy who would appear. So I met Richard Simmons twice. And the first time, well, both of these instances are surreal. The first time was I, I was usually on in the afternoon in the radio, but I was filling in in the morning. And I was alone in the newsroom, and there's a hallway that goes past the newsroom into the studio. And it's 7.30, and down the hallway, 
comes Richard Simmons in the the red <laughs> tank toppy thing with the with the striped shorts. Short shorts. The short shorts. I don't even remember what. It, I think it was late winter or so. I, he was and he was singing something like hello, and he was on. Yeah. And it was kind of weird because there was he didn't have an entourage around. Right. If he did, the person wasn't there. I don't even know how he got in the radio station. <laughs> you met hour. other celebrities in that same context, and it was always like a thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it was different. I mean, there was presidential candidates. There were celebrities. Sometime I'll tell you about the time we nearly killed Bob Eubanks. <laughs> um, but he came in. He he came in because he did like a pre something interview. Yeah, and he was on. And yes, he was. He was immediately on. And then he did the interview on the radios and then disappeared. And then the day of the event, I do remember among the duties that we had ended up all of a sudden becoming being almost like secret service for Richard Simmons to get him from the holding area to the stage. Now, the crowd was very enthusiastic. It was predominantly women. And there were so many of them that were obese, right? Yeah. And who were there because Richard... In some way, you know, spoke to them, spoke to them. And I remember, you know, and it was screaming. It was like One Direction, the Beatles kind of screaming when he came the wiggles. on. The Wiggles. <laughs> it, it was really like that. And I remember at the end he had to leave. Right. And there's sort of people. It, there's no seats. But, you know, you're on a riser. Everybody sort of in the front was coming up and was like trying to touch him. And he would get down and look into like one. I just remember looking into one person's eyes and he was holding both of her hands and talking like this. I don't know what he was saying, but there was that connection. I don't now. I'm wondering if maybe it is somebody that he actually had a phone relationship with or not. But I tell you, he was like Elvis and Jesus hmm. at the same time. Honest to God. And I didn't know if we were going to get him out. It was like kind of like that we could be crushed by this crowd. Huh. The women were crying. Yeah. The people who were watching it were, were crying. Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. They were crying. Oh. But they, they were crying. You can admit that. <laughs> <laughs> but you could tell it was like a super connection that you just, you had to see to believe. Right. It was like Oprah. Yeah, probably like that. There are very few people like who inspire that. Yeah. The but Pope, I'm like- Oprah. Yeah, I'm like he- uh, Paul McCartney. I, Richard like very much like spoke to these people on a level where they felt like somebody loved them and that they could love themselves. Right. I think, I, I, I don't want to put words in people's mouths, right. but we hear this refrain and I could see that there. Right. Toby, what do you think of this juxtaposition between, you know, the Richard Simmons that's completely out there? You know, we heard Dan talk- Talk about we had that conversation about you know his sexuality versus how you know sexual he was, and we talked about that little bit of like a rub there between um, you know Dan said that he would show up to class all the time in drag that like that was always something that he was out there with even though he never discussed it. But did that strike you too that he was like a little bit of like out of step with the culture, but in a way that is I don't know it's just like really unusual. This is what I would do. If I was writing a fictionalized version of this and I was trying to base it on Richard Simmons, I think the way I would look at it is being a fat gay guy in the 70s was probably a pretty tough thing. And that in the course of losing a lot of weight and coming to accept who you were and not being ashamed of the way your sort of flamboyant personality was, would come to seem like kind of this epiphany that it's not necessary to conform to these different societal expectations of you. That feeling must have, would be so 
sort of powerful and joyful that the idea is to go to the people whose society really looks down on and try and help them feel better about themselves in the same way that you felt better about yourself. Mm-hmm. So if I, again, if I was writing the book, that w- that's kind of the beginning. And then like reaching out and like how many people can I reach with this? And it just being, being a very powerful um, deliverer of this message. That you're you're fine, mm-hmm. you know. And if you were to do you, a fictional version, what would the character's name be? <laughs> what would you name him? What would his name be? Yeah, Robert Gibbons. Smithers Simmons. Rick Simons. Rick Simons. <laughs> um, but then I think the flip side of that, and this maybe is why I'm a little bit reticent about this whole sort of endeavor that they're, that they're doing, is that I think these very transitory connections with people without having, you know, a stronger, long-lasting connection with seemingly anybody, except for maybe like that that old woman, whatever, Jerry. Jerry. yep, and Teresa. 10 or 15 years ago, there was a thing where they were listing like the highest percentage of suicides by, you know, what your job was. And I think number two were uh, toll operators on highways. Get the fuck and, out of here. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, really? Yeah, that, that's true. And the idea was that the fleeting connection that you have with people becomes depressing. Nobody you know, says you, Merry you, Christmas you, to you when you go by. You feel, you feel isolated. Uh-huh. Like even when people are smiling and having, hey, thank you, have a nice day or whatever, that's the extent of it. And so when I was listening to this whole podcast about, you know, he comes out like, all the time and he talks to these people and, you know, takes pictures and stuff. But it's that kind of sort of fleeting interaction with people that then doesn't get followed up on. And he ends up having these very, you know, sort of emotionally up and down relationships with like a woman who he met once in Nebraska, who he talks to on the phone, or these people who show up for his exercise class, who he doesn't necessarily, I mean, he's friends with some of them, and I think there's probably a connection with the others, but, you know, he's, you know, being sexual with them and crying in front of them and being ecstatically happy. And he's basically going through all these human emotions in the course of an exercise class. If Again, if I was writing the book, it seemed like this would all kind of lead to being quite depressed. Right. All right. So, Laura, I have a question for you. Yes. I'm getting a vibe from you right now. I'm getting a vibe from you that you want to talk about what's actually going on with Richard Simmons. Like, what do you think is she going know. on, Laura you know? Bricker? You know? Nancy you know? Drew, the Nancy Drew of our panel. What do you think <laughs> is going on? Well, it's interesting. So, you know, it's funny. I was listening to this. My son was listening to this with me this week. He's like, Mom, he just wants to be left alone. He's been famous too long. And it could be something that simple. But this whole thing is so freaking bizarre because... To be want to be left alone is one thing. To cut off ties and have no communication yeah, with different. anybody, yep. that's different. And this, I'm sorry, I don't want to jump on the conspiracy theory bandwagon, but I'm going to do it. Teresa. And she's like, he is not here right now. Mm. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I know she's very protective. She's been with him 30 years. He said that they're basically like a married couple, but something is I I know something is up. That's the point of this. But it's just like, I mean, is it something that like when he had his knee surgeries, he gained weight back and he's too ashamed to go out and let people see that he gained weight back? Yeah. 
Um, well, Kevin's dad had those knee surgeries, and they were rough surgeries. His dad was off of his feet for months. It was he rough. only had one, yeah. yeah. You know, you can say, if you believe that Richard Simmons is tied to his bed like in misery, and that the house staff is keeping him hostage, <laughs> that, that's one extreme. But it, at the very least, they are enabling him to be agoraphobic or whatnot because somebody is bringing him food mm-hmm. and yeah. bring and taking out the trash. Well, that's Teresa. That, that's Teresa. <laughs> well, yes. You know, so... She uh, recycles, Kevin. Yeah, she, recycle. yeah, she takes out the recycling. They do. They do. Yeah. So I... I we can't indemnify I will call, Teresa. I will call bullshit on one thing. Yeah. I don't see any problem with him buying Teresa a Mercedes. I don't. If you are like a billionaire, oh, yeah. you buy anybody whatever no, fine fucking kind nice. of car you want. That's that was just no, nice. She, she was loyal and took care of him. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I would buy you a Mercedes if we could afford that. Just saying. And you're like the maid. I, I hope I hope that I perform duties other than those that Teresa's performing. Uh, so, Toby, I, without getting into too much speculation that makes you uncomfortable, um, do you think that Teresa is keeping Richard Simmons hostage or that there's something less nefarious going on here? My kind of fear about the whole thing is that he's just very depressed. Like, not depressed like, oh, I'm having a bad day, but like suffering from clinical depression. Mm-hmm. And part of that is not wanting to deal with people, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to face human interaction. And I think when you're him, that must be a very daunting prospect, if that's what the issue is. And then I would see a person like Teresa. 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 <laughs> looking at her role as protecting him. Right. You know? Or she's just or she's just doing what he told her to do. Maybe he's telling her mm-hmm. every day, don't let anyone in. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. But right. my thing is three years. Yeah. Okay. Six months, okay, a year, three years. Is he like mummified in that house or something? Mm. You mentioned two words earlier, Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. Um, I mean, wasn't that the whole thing with him when he went, you know, nobody had seen him and he ba- he was basically pretty incapacitated. They were fighting over his estate, if I recall correctly, yeah. when he, they were kind of keeping him out of the public eye and kind of, they were kind of holding him hostage, weren't they? It was some sort of weird kind of elder, elder abuse. abuse. It was something yeah. weird. It was something yeah. weird, but... um. The three years is what gets me. Mm -hmm. It was ponderous. (laughs) That's a good reference, Kevin. Our listeners should look it up and they'll know what you're talking about. There was just a case. Did you guys see that case in Rhode Island? Um, The two sisters that lived together and one of the sisters died like a year before and she was just sitting in the house. Oh, God. I feel like that's going to be me and Kevin. We're down here in this closet. Total Bates Motel. I'll make you sound good. (laughs) You know what our next hobby is? Taxidermy. I, I, I can I. I just want to throw in one last detail and just ask you a quick question mm-hmm. about it, Kevin. As far as podcasts go, has there been a better podcast at delivering a good end of episode cliffhanger oh. that we have heard, like since Serial season one? No, I'm trying to think. The, the, these are really good. The, it got you with the oh no, don't stop there, right? And wanting to get on to next week. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to the next uh, four episodes. Well, let's just go around the horn then, Toby. Even though you have ethical potentially issues with this show, would you recommend that our listeners, if they haven't checked it out yet, <laughs> give a listen to Missing Richard Simmons? What do you think? I, I'm not sure if it's ethical as, as far as like journalistic ethics. I just don't think it's like the right thing to do on a personal basis. But <laughs> that putting said. that aside, it's it's, it's like very an iPhone. <laughs> it's super interesting. Yeah, uh, and it is really well done. And I think if any individual listener out there doesn't listen to it, it's not going to go away. So I would listen to it without uh, too much without guilt. guilt. Um, yeah. Toby, by the way, are you single? 
(laughs) (laughs) You keep asking that and he might be. What about you, Laura? Should our listeners listen to Missing Richard Simmons? Do you give it a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways? We want to know what you think. Two thumbs up. I I just, I seriously, like, I'm obsessed with this. Everyone I see this week, I'm like, you've got to listen to this. And I have a friend. She came over yesterday. She got new sunglasses. And she said, what do I look like? I said, you look like Richard Simmons. Because all I can think of is Richard Simmons. That's right. So take a listen. It's only going to be six episodes. I will tell our listeners, not because it's low commitment, but because it is just excuse my language, fucking great. Absolutely. Listen to, subscribe to, tweet about Missing Richard Simmons. I love it, and I feel joy and sadness when I listen to it, but mostly joy. Listen to it as much as you possibly can. It is great. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, Hell to the yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely I am telling people that they should get on the train here and listen to Missing Richard. Richard Simmons. I think it's great, and I think it's interesting because a lot of these podcasts were always about trying to answer the question of who. Mm-hmm. Really trying to get to the question of why. Why? Why would what? he? Not what, but why would he just kind of disappear? This is a guy who was very successful and into a lot of things. He was a multitasker. Kind of like Kapari's coconut oil is the ultimate <laughs> multitasker. I think Richard Simmons It's a head-to-toe hydration with an incredible beach smell. Yes, it is. You I love, love Kapari, oh my right? God, I love it so much. Wouldn't it be great right much. now if we could just go back to summer vacation, like I, right now? I feel like I'm on summer vacation every day when I get out of the shower and slather that coconut melt all over myself. I freaking love it. It takes away those winter blahs. I love the face beauty oil. Line, Kapari's beauty line of body products made from 100% organic coconut oil is the thing that you love. And uh, they're all free from sulfates, silicones, GMOs, all that other caca. <laughs> Crapola. A, crapola. That's a vacation we can all get behind. It is. I love the facial oil. I love the coconut melt. I love it all. So say aloha to your best skin and hair no matter the season with Kapari. Go to Kapari Beauty. Dot com slash crime and get 20% off your order. That's Kapari. K-O-P-A-R-I beauty.com slash crime for 20% off. You know, I don't gush about everything we have in our bathroom, but I do love me some Kopari. Don't gush about the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) It's KopariBeauty.com slash crime. Crime. Laura, did you have something to say about Kopari? I want to see Kevin put on some of these shimmer Shimmer. Kopari. Oh, I I would. That would be a good thing for you. On the weekend. When you're doing your Richard Simmons Halloween costume. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Well, this weekend I'm going to be a little busy. Not terribly busy, but just busy enough because I've got a HelloFresh meal to make. Nice. HelloFresh has the classic box, the veggie box, and now finally the family Family box box is available. What is HelloFresh? Well, they deliver a meal kit right to your door that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Every week HelloFresh delivers a new delicious recipe with step-by-step instructions designed. Take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks to cook. And I tell you, I've done it. If I can get away with it, you can get away and with it. And they're healthy AF. Yeah, they've got two full-time registered dietitians on staff who review each recipe to ensure it is nutritionally balanced. I would like to say I love the packaging that it comes in. Each recipe comes, you know, they separate the ingredients in these lovely little cardboard boxes. And during our snowmageddon, when I was trapped by the snowstorm, they made the best fire starter. <laughs> I'm just going to say thank you, HelloFresh. Thank you, HelloFresh. For Fresh. getting me through the blizzard. 
dessert. So you ate it, you had a delicious meal, and then you healthy. were able, able yeah, healthy meal, and then you were able to have a uh, a nice home, warm night. Warm night. <laughs> well, for thirty five dollars off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter Crime thirty five. When you describe, it's like thirty-five dollars off. Thirty-five crime. Thirty-five dollars off. Thirty-five dollars off. Seems like a good discount. Yeah. So again, that's HelloFresh.com and enter Crime Crime Thirty-five when you subscribe. So that's a promo code, Crime Thirty-five. Crime Thirty-five. All right, now it's time to move on to my favorite part of this podcast: the crime of of the the week. week. Dateline, Idaho. Police say a burglar's attempts to jimmy into a gun safe were thwarted by the family's pet. In this case, though, the family's pet was a squirrel. (laughs) The squirrel named Joey used the element of surprise and jumped the intruder, police say. One officer said the suspect was startled because, quote, he wasn't expecting to have, you know, a squirrel come flying out of nowhere. <laughs> End you know, quote. A squirrel. <laughs> Apparently the homeowners here, the ones who were the victims of this attempted burglary, they found Joey in this garden about six months ago, and then they let Joey build a home in their cabinet for the winter. The squirrel Joey eats greens and nuts and even uses a litter box. Aww. He's a he's a real family pet. They were thinking about setting him free, but now that he has thwarted a burglar, um, they're saying they might keep him. Oh, we should have Squirrel of the Week. Uh, the teenage thief, uh, in the meantime, was charged with breaking into four other homes. Police said the burglar would likely have gotten away with stealing the victim's guns before, quote, the squirrel went all spider monkey on him, end quote. <laughs> the squirrel went spider monkey. <laughs> so here we have an attempted burglary thwarted by a pet squirrel yeah. who went, quote, all spider monkey on the intruder. <laughs> So I know, because I talk to you guys every week, that we all have pets with questionable behavior. Um, Toby, what would your family pet do if they came across a burglar in your house? First of all, I I do want to put in my two cents about aggressive squirrels are are unnerving. (laughs) I agree. If you you live in D.C., like they have these black squirrels that get pretty aggressive and you just don't know what to do about it other than... (laughs) back off. I totally um, agree. I, I squirrels, squirrels can be terrifying. When they come at you, the first thing I think is rabies. They're terrifying. Yeah, it, it's bizarre. Like they, I grab they're out of my so nuts. small. <laughs> they shouldn't want to go after you, but they do. But what my cats would probably do is look quizzically at mm. the person. I thought you and, had a cat that was a killer. Yeah, but not so much with like actual humans. Mm. Oh. It's usually like that squirrel, like Joey the squirrel, like he would have probably taken down the squirrel. Uh, before it got to the teenage intruder. So, yeah, not not much good at the uh, as guard cats. What about you, Laura? What would your pets do if someone broke into your house trying to steal your firearms? <laughs> um, yeah, I got no firearms. Um, not that I would open my house up. But this is, I have to say, this is the second squirrel crime of the week we've had, by the way. Hmm. We also had the squirrels that went into their retirement home and started attacking the old people a few That's months ago. right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think we need to learn some squirrel self-defense. Um, but I, I don't think that my animals would do anything. Honestly, like the dog is is no use for any of this. He just sits there and like wags his tail. Zelda the cat, I mean, if I look at her, she runs and hides. So certainly a burglar comes, she's probably going to be in hiding for like two weeks. The only chance we might have is Stampy. Yeah, but Stampy. only... 
only if we've been in a period of snow like we recently had when he can't go outside and he's got all this pent up aggression. Because um, that's the only time he really attacks inside the house. Is What's he going to do? Give a, the burglar chlamydia? You never know. Cat scratch fever. Stand back. What about you, Kevin? I'll let you answer for both of us since we share the family pets. What yeah. would uh, Brady and Stewart do if an intruder uh, would break into our house? Well, if it were a squirrel, they would probably go all spider monkey, Tear right? Tear to pieces. Tear to pieces. <laughs> if it were a burglar, uh, they would bark, bark, bark. And as soon as the burglar got inside, they would run the other way. <laughs> because they are not attack dogs. They are panic attack dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just like, can you play with me while you're taking that television off the wall? Here, watch me rub my butt on the ground yes. while you're taking the television <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> well, we should probably end it on that note. Toby Ball, if listeners want to tweet their thoughts to you as they are making a podcast about your whereabouts, how can they reach you on Twitter? They can't. <laughs> no. uh, at Toby Ball NH. And Laura Bricker, if our listeners want to tweet to you and, I don't know, perhaps tell you how to like get Stampy to be a little bit more aggressive when burglars attack, uh, how can they reach you? It's at Laura Bricker. And um, this week, I just have to say, Leopold, I'm sorry. Oh, um, cat of the week. We forgot. That's, that's okay. That's okay. Wait, I wait, just wait, have wait. To say- So is there a cat of the week? Yes. All right, go. So, Leopold, you know what? I'm sorry, but I cannot enable the species confusion. Um, I don't Uh, think this is good for your psyche to make you Cat of the Week. So you're not Cat of the Week this week. This week, we are going to have a tie between Sarah's new cat, Bellatrix, because it is named after a Harry Potter character. Yes, our friend Sarah. Yes, and it was a rescue cat, which is something near and dear to my heart. And a black cat to boot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I have to say, I was also somewhat intrigued this week by Princess Homie, (laughs) Nicole's cat, who has a shirt that says, I am loved with some like gold bling on it. So Princess (laughs) Homie, rock on. All right, we've got a dual cat of the week. And Kevin Flynn, if our listeners want to tweet to you and convince you that in fact... You are a cat person. <laughs> How can they find you on Twitter? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. I just want to say, if you're on Twitter, tweet to us. We actually tweet back. <laughs> we tweet with a lot of people. If you're a sitting lot. there wondering, like, I wonder if I, yeah, tweet at us. <laughs> we will tweet to you. We are, we're as desperate as Richard Simmons. Sometimes twice, if you twice. and I are both on the account. Yes. <laughs> I get lots of tweets. I love all the tweets I I'll get. I'll send you a GIF, I'll send a, a, a meme, whatever. Sometimes you've Some already emojis. responded to someone and then I respond to them too and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> How well, can people find you, Rebecca? Well, if you want to tweet to me personally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoie. But our show, tweet to us on Twitter at Crime Writers On. You can also send us an email at crimewriterson at gmail.com. Hate mail, love mail, we love them all. Don't forget to head to our website where you can sign up for our newsletter and you can buy stuff like mouth guards using that Amazon link. <laughs> Before you close your podcast app, leave us an iTunes review. It makes a big difference. And check out our other podcast, These Are Their Stories, the Law and Order podcast. Our handsome line producer is Henry Lavoie. Our theme music was performed by the New York Ska Jazz Ensemble and used with their permission. And this show was recorded in Square Egg Studio at Partners in Crime Media, a.k.a. the closet in our basement, formerly known as Studio C that is next to the furnace. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. 
I know we, we've kind of amongst ourselves and like we've been on panels like dissected like why the four of us work. It's a sexual tension. It's a sexual tension. <laughs> it's like rumors are a Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stop sleeping with Toby. Wait, um, you are single though, right? I Toby? am single. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I keep asking. That, that, that dude has a husband. I we're, know. I it was so funny. We're more like the mamas and the papas. <laughs> Thanks to Tripping for sponsoring today's episode. Tripping.com gives you direct access to over 10 million properties, pulling from VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and dozens of other sites. Tripping.com's comprehensive search allows you to easily compare prices, location, and amenities. Visit Tripping.com slash writers today to start and finish the search for your perfect vacation rental. That's Tripping.com slash writers. Tripping.com slash writers. Partners in Crime Media. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.